Hello, hello, everyone. Merry Eve of Christmas Eve. I cannot believe this year is almost coming to a close. And in spite of the pandemic, I think that many of the people that I know, friends and family, and people that I enjoy associating myself with, were actually thriving this year and rose above and did the best they could to make an incredible situation out of an incredible situation. So I just want to wish all of you a wonderful new year, wonderful time with family, take time to rest, rejuvenate, take care of yourself and really have a couple of days of amazing self-care because you are totally worth it. You are worth it more than anyone else in the movie that is your life where you are the star of the show. You are the headliner. You are the person that everyone wants to be. So please be the star of your own show. Take care of yourself and enjoy this season going into a new year 2022. And let's all hope for just an amazing year filled with much love, much joy, and much peace. Thank you for listening. And remember to be kind always, no matter. Make kindness your religion. If you do that, everything else will fall into place. Part 3 The Forest Giants Chapter 25 A few days later, Kira was dozing in her hammock when the blast of a great horn tore apart the silence of the jungle. Her eyes flew open. The gravity of the situation hit her in an instant. This was really going to happen. Not another rehearsal with the giant puppets, and no more facing her enemy in a half-forgotten dream. She was going to actually see takers again today. It became very difficult to breathe. Luan's head popped down through the trap door. They're coming, he said. She nodded, staring back at him, unblinking. Luan tilted his head and studied her expression. Are you going to be okay? Kira forced herself to nod. I can do this. It came out in a choked whisper. No. Luan reached down for her. We can do this. She grabbed onto his hand, warm and strong, just like all those years ago. The dread and panic abated a bit, replaced by something close to relief. Because she had been waiting for this moment ever since she had spoken in the clearing, and every day had been long hours spent in preparation. No, that wasn't true, she realized. She had actually been waiting for this day, whether she knew it or not, 
ever since she had been a terrified and devastated ten-year-old girl watching Zidu burn. Today was the day she simply must do what had to be done. When Kira entered the hut, Loba and Maham were putting on hunting cloaks, which would camouflage them during what was to come. Loba was grim-faced in his preparation, slowly and deliberately lacing his boots, cinching his belt, and securing a cutting stone at his waist. He paused to give Kira a quick nod in greeting, then got back about his business. Maham was gathering her supplies, too. She and Loba would be part of a team operating one of the puppets that would be leading the ambush. So, she needed to be in place right away. But when she saw Kira, she ran over and gave her a fierce hug. Maham grabbed Luan by the shoulder and pulled him in as well. She wiped a tear from her eye and said, You two be careful. Mother, Luan said, there's no being careful in a battle. Oh, I know. Just let me be a mother for a minute. Tears leaked from the corners of her eyes. I'm so sorry, she wiped at her face. I know we're doing the right thing, the only thing, really. It's just... I love you both so much. It was the first time Muhammad ever said those words to her. She wanted to savor them, but that would have to wait. We love you too, Kira said. She looked directly into the woman's eyes and took her by the shoulders. And this evening, after we have protected the forest, we'll all meet back here and have dinner, okay? Together, as a family. That's a fine plan, Loba walked over to them. I'll roast a haunch of boar. We can all have that to look forward to, yes? Kira looked from face to face, trying desperately to keep the uncertainty she felt out of her eyes. The thought that all four of them might not make it back to this cozy hut was too much to bear, but dwelling on it would simply make it even more difficult to leave. So, she waved goodbye, grabbed Luan's hand to pull him out the front door, and started to head in the direction of the river. The woods were as busy as a wasp's nest as the pair made their way through the branches. People were bustling all around them, hauling sections of wood and lengths of rope, racing to the spot on the river where the takers had first crossed over months ago or setting up battle stations deeper in the forest. The tree folk were mostly silent as they went about their tasks, giving their fellow forest dwellers a quick nod of recognition as they passed. Near the river, Kira and Luan reached the tree that had been designated their group's base of operations. Kari and Mozan were already there, standing near the trunk, and Makina joined them shortly thereafter. Last was Tiha, marching in with her brothers, who would round out the contingent of fighters controlling their giant. She walked up to them, 
Should we try to gather everyone in this area quickly? Go over the plan once more? Luan shook his head. There's no time. Also, everyone knows the plan forward and backward. We've been over it a million times. I agree, Kira said. Just let everyone get ready in their own way. Tiha nodded. That works. Let's take our stations and get a look at what's headed this direction. Makina was the first to scramble up the trunk and shoot into the branches. Those stupid takers are going to be sorry they ever woke up this morning. Mozan looked at the others and nodded appreciatively. As far as battle cries go, that's one. That one's not bad. Enough talk. Kari picked up his little brother and thrust him into the lower limbs of the tree. Let's go. Kira followed, climbing halfway up the trunk to find her section of the giant puppet. They had stored it there a few weeks earlier and had worked with it dozens of times since. She ran her hands across the wood. They had practiced with it so much that she found touching its grainy surface comforting. That feeling of comfort dissipated, however, when she brushed aside a screen of leaves and got her first look at the river. There were hundreds of takers on the other side. She felt the same disbelief as when the entire tree folk community had assembled to listen to her months ago. How could there even be so many of them? Soldiers filled the riverbank, standing shoulder to shoulder in perfectly straight lines, those long gray faces staring stoically across the water as others poured out of the scrub brush and joined the ranks. There was no hurrying or rushing about. Their movements were precise, measured, methodical. That was more unnerving than a screaming, frenzied charge would have been. A cold pit formed deep in her stomach when Kira realized that the people of the forest weren't the only ones who had spent months training for this moment. In fact, it looked like the takers had spent years practicing for battle. For these soldiers spread out in front of them, it might have been their entire lives. And Kira noticed that they had tailored their appearance for just such a battle as this one. The first time she had encountered the takers, they had looked completely out of place in the environment, their leathery skin and war attire looking much more suited to a desert landscape. But not this time. They had dyed their leather and armor a dull green and brown to match the camouflage of the tree folk, even going so far as to adorn their clothing with leaves and bits of branches. Kira swallowed heavily. They had obviously put a lot of thought and preparation into coming here and wiping out her people. The warriors in the first several rows carried long spears or oversized hatchets. Cruel silver blades flashing in the morning light. There were so many that it looked like their own forest of death. In addition, they carried round wooden shields half the size of their bodies, double protection for whatever was coming at them. 
the men in the back of the lines, those without spears, unsheathed the long silver blades at their waists in a collective hiss. Then they beat the handle of those weapons against their shields, and the quiet of the morning erupted into what sounded like rolling thunder. And then, in perfect unison, every soldier lifted his weapon in the air and gave a full-throated battle cry. Kira looked at the others in the tree. Everyone was glancing around with panic on their faces. Kira made eye contact with each of her friends, slowly and deliberately, thumping her heart with a fist. Stay strong. Across the river, one of the soldiers shouted a command. In the front line, every tenth man stepped forward in unison, dropped his weapon, and lifted his hands in the air. The soldier behind him tied a long rope around his waist. From the back of the ranks, large wooden posts were passed from soldier to soldier and then handed to the roped men in the front. Then these men marched into the river, carrying the posts overhead in two hands and trailing the rope behind them, while the other soldiers stayed put, holding on to the other end. As the water crept up to their waists, and then their chests, the current threatened to knock them over and sweep them downstream. That's when Kira realized what the ropes were for. The men on the opposite river bank dug their heels into the sand and leaned back, keeping the men in the moving water anchored. In this manner, they were able to trudge forward, upright and secure, and emerge on her side of the river. Once they were on the river bank, the men put down their posts and removed shovels that were belted to their waists. After digging holes, they set the posts in the sand, packing them in tightly, working at a deliberate pace. Then each removed the rope from around his waist and tied it around the pole that was now sticking firmly upright in the ground. And just like that, all the other soldiers had a swift and secure way to get across to the land of the tree folk. The warriors strode into the rushing water one at a time at each rope, carrying their shields and weapons aloft until so many of them covered the area that she could no longer see the riverbank itself. These trained soldiers were a mere stone's throw from the tree line and all the people who lived in the woods, all the people Kira cared about. They were close enough that Kira could see their hard stares. These men had come with a purpose. There were no speeches, no requests for negotiation or demands for surrender, no precursor at all. One man standing in front merely lifted his weapon in the air, pointed it straight at the forest, and screamed out a battle cry. Then he charged as fast as he could toward the trees, powerful legs churning beneath him. The others followed by the hundreds, the earth shaking with the intensity of their approach. <laughs> 